Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're back and this time it's personal. Better than ever. <laughs> We're back and this time it's personal. Uh, it's Ruthie, the lockdown sessions. I mean, we haven't done one for, is it a fortnight, do you think? Two weeks or something, yeah. yeah. Two or three weeks. What is time in these surges? Well, yeah, and the reason is that it's difficult to sort of engender the enthusiasm. I find. I mean, I've still been enthusiastic about doing it, but... It's difficult to make me enthusiastic. Yeah, that's what I mean. And I can understand that. I can understand that. Don't have that much to say, really, you know, when we're in lockdown. No, although, interestingly, you you did a little drinks party with with your friends from uni... Yeah. That was nice. A bit of vodka and lime and soda. Yeah, very good vodka, lime, soda as well. Yes, you were so impressed with, because you'd not had, you were a bit worried that it would be like proper well, lime uh, yeah, juice. Yeah, usually I get like lime cardial. Well, it's lime, it is lime, but you know, it's that very green, like, kit when it's really fake and sugary. You're fake and, and sugary, yeah. bought like a fancy cardial. Mm. Um, and you were worried it would have too much worried, lime it in it. Too, well, too it limey. Yeah, too limey, too too not like fake lime i thought it was gonna be like actual yeah. lime lime but it was excellent yes i know you were yeah. so enthusiastic you actually came down and insisted i tasted yeah. it it was but, really good mm. and you've done so you've done bits and pieces with your friends would, it, but would you say about once a week you do a, a zoom thing i do once a week with friends from uni and then my friends from home we well we probably do a call a week did a bit of a facetime didn't you this morning yeah I, well that's when it's just like a single friend anymore. yeah but there's no replacement for actually oh, it's not no, no. no i miss the days when we didn't know what zoom was and we did a little zoom thing this week with uh, david hepworth and mark ellen who i had to explain to you they were big see it's it... you can't say it. you shouldn't say that well, that you had to explain. Well, who no, they I were. Just, no, I, let me finish. I had to explain their involvement in something called Live Aid. Mm. See, that's such a part of the cult. Anybody who's over, say, 40, 45, and you mention Live Aid, they immediately know exactly what you're talking about. But Live Aid was, you said, is it at all connected with Band Aid? Because Band Aid you've heard of, because they it's keep. It's a spin off of Band Aid. No, <laughs> Live Aid was the big thing. Yeah. And I, I explained to you. It was a BBC report on famine in Ethiopia, and Bob Geldof, who was the Boomtown Rats, we've mentioned. That, I, I know, yeah, I know who Bob yeah, Geldof. Well, we've played is, the Boomtown Rats, I think, on the on the podcast. It's probably not made it to Spotify, but I did <laughs> to our to our mythical Spotify playlist. <laughs> yeah, but it did. Uh, we did mention that. But the point about that is the BBC reporter uh, Michael Burke, who you know primarily as a contestant on House of Games. Had I don't a, remember him on House of yeah, Games. Yeah, Mum didn't like him. Oh, we, no, she didn't, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I did explain that he was a hero from... Well, Live Aid, before Live Aid, his report from Ethiopia was so good that these rock stars who happened to be watching the TV decided we have to do something. They're the old Ariana Grande. They are. David Hepworth and Mark Allen. They are in a way, yeah. And they presented it together with my other friend Andy Kershaw. Did you see that people (laughs) on Twitter were sharing, it was like at the start of lockdown, I think they were like, for these trying times, share your most mundane um, celebrity stories and it was just a lot of people just being like once saw Jodie Comer buying a loaf of bread <laughs> like, yeah. it, was just, it was really funny and um, once saw Jimmy Carr in Leeds train station saw Rebecca Adlington in a juice bar wow in Glasgow. 
in a juice bar. Oh, when they had when, the Commonwealth yeah, Games on up there. Because we went to see the gymnastics. Yeah. Well, this is good. You should do tra- remember these stories. Trade on I them. Do. You know who I've never met or seen? Nicola Adams. A lot of people have seen her if you're from Leeds. I've, I know you've met her. I have a picture of myself with Nicola Adams, which uh, I can you, share oh, with you. Oh, you know who you met who was cool? Um, um, example. Ex- example is actually cool. You met the um, head teacher from Educating Yorkshire. Yes, I did. Yeah, I think that's, mm. that's the best one. Oh, good. So that's that beats Prince Charles or any of those other people. I'm not excited met. about you meeting Prince Charles. No. Fair enough. I met him by accident. I have to say, I wasn't getting my MBE at the time. That's when I met him. <laughs> oh, I thought you met him at like a thing where they're like... And what do you do? Yes, it, it was exactly, was what, do you, what do you do? And I was quickly ushered out of the room when they found out I was a reporter. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he was opening an extension to this theatre in Bristol. Yeah. And the, he was meeting people from the theatre, what do you do and all that. And I happened to be in there reporting on this mm. and ended up on the line of people that he was supposed to be meeting. You know what I learned? You know, we often call it a global pandemic. Mm. Pandemic means a disease that's global. So what we're really saying is a global global. The word global is... is in, unnecessary. Yeah, it's, it doesn't... We should, we should just call it... If you call something a pandemic, it means global. That's, so we need to cut out the... That's the a very good point. We're all wasting... You know, although we've all got work. lots of time, so that's why we're... You know what I mean? We're locked down, so we might as well just stick in the word global. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Do you know what you call that when you have an unnecessary... Oh, I do, and I can't remember, and now you're going to tell me. Tautology. Tautology, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been that. so much cooler if you'd have said, that's tautology. Say it now and I'll uh, edit. You edit it. No, I think you edit this to make yourself sound smarter and me to sound less smart. No, I edit it mainly for editorial reasons, so it sort of flows not, more. I say so many intelligent things and you cut them out. Mainly because I, I don't <laughs> cut anything out that you say that's uh, intelligent. Now, clearly, there's loads of uh, demonstrations going on at the moment, obviously across America, and uh, there was a big one in uh, Trafalgar Square in London, and there have been smaller ones even some other places Liverpool. in the UK, Liverpool and such like. I've watched two documentaries on Sky TV recently. One was about Muhammad Ali, uh, the other one was about Ella Fitzgerald, which I finished watching, that's an absolutely fantastic documentary, which I would urge you to watch, but I know you won't, because you're still watching Game of Thrones. She was so absolutely brilliant and she used to do these gigs down in the in the southern states where there were segregated gigs and refused she refused well not much much her but her manager at the time a guy called norman grants who is an absolute hero refused to play any places where they had signs up saying negro white so segregated places and they were arrested in between the first and second show because she was playing cards with dizzy gillespie who toured with her and they arrested them and clearly they arrested them because they were they were black and it was a racist police force there as happened in the states during that time so all times yeah, when you look at the history of, of segregation in the South, which is still going on, I think we mentioned this before, we're still going on in my lifetime. I think um, there's a really... I was reading a really interesting thing about how they often make photos of um, sort of that show segregation and show protests in the past and stuff. They often make them black and white um, to fool people into thinking it was longer ago. Longer ago than it was. Than it was Historical. Because, it's interesting, yeah. yeah. To, to make you think, oh, it's not a problem anymore, that was the past, but it's within people's lifetimes it's in the last 50 years and obviously it still goes on today but it makes people complacent if they mm. imagine that it's i think you're absolutely right and i i because i've been watching the documentaries and you know me nothing exists until i've seen it on sky tv when uh, muhammad ali won the gold medal in the 1960 rome olympics mm. came back to america with a gold medal that he'd won for america he couldn't buy a hamburger in louisville kentucky I would urge anyone to sign petitions and donate money. I was reading a really interesting thing that someone wrote about how we think it's enough to be not racist, but you have to be actively anti-racist and you have to call it out whenever you see it and use your privilege to say, like, it's actively not okay. Like, I think it's easy, especially, like, in school. I've, um, sort of looking back on it now, as you obviously would now that... um, it's so prevalent in the news and stuff. Definitely, there was times in school where people were racist, 
and you don't want to rock the boat so you don't say anything but I think now I would hope that I would say something um I think that the use of like BAME as a acronym and stuff is really counterproductive because it lumps in sort of a black struggle with all other minority groups and, and it's just not the case like black people face a very specific and historic oppression which is different and I've, there was like a girl who was um asian who was writing about how there's a definite thing and i think it must happen over here but she was american and of being like a good immigrant versus a bad immigrant and kind of black immigrants are seen as being like not the ideal whereas Asian immigrants and there's more of a assimilation into I'm not sure about that because people from the West Indies they're perceived to be more like us do you know what I mean just talking about she was talking specifically about America Asian American versus African American oh yeah the thing about West Indian immigrants uh, I think because they don't have uh, particular, you know, dietary laws, or you know, the same sort. Of, I know if you're a Rastafarian, you've got dietary laws and things. But by and large, the ones who came over in the mid fifties, you know, the Windrush generation, if you yeah, like. Yeah, but I mean, how badly con- did we let? Oh, they were treated uh, yeah. atrociously. You know, the, when they tried to get a flat in Notting Hill, that's where you had the Notting Hill riots in the sixties. But they, uh, you know, and it always had no blacks, no Irish, no you know, no dogs, no Jews, whatever. Uh, that happened in boarding houses all over uh, London in the in the nineteen fifties. But those people, the, the you know, West Indian uh, immigrants, that huge wave of people, were considered to be more like us. So. Although they faced terrible discrimination when it came to jobs and when it came to housing and all that sort of thing, I think they were considered to have assimilated better than um, the Muslims, who you know, had the language issue for a start. They had all the dietary laws. They had all the religious stuff. I think it was a lot harder for them to assimilate. Historically as well, we have been just as bad as America, and I think... No, never in a million years have we been just as bad as America. You know, yeah, America, have you so. seen the civil rights demos in the 60s? Have you seen the Compass I think that racism in the UK is just a more subtle racism. I think we've been just as racist for just as long, and we are probably just as racist. It's no, just much they were, more, they were segregated until the mid 19 into the mid 90s. When Martha Rees and the Vandellas came over here, they were amazed they could go into restaurants and go into hotels. We're nowhere near no, as. If that, we start being. Beating ourselves up and saying we're as bad as America. You know, we I think we fought... are an incredibly racist country. It's just a very different brand of racism. Well, everybody's racist to some extent. Everybody uh, prefers their own group to to other groups. I'm not saying there isn't racism. I agree with you. There absolutely is racism everywhere. But to say we're as bad as America is, I just think is that, an I just unbelievable think a... exaggeration. They had segregation until, like, the 70s. If you go to... Even now, if you go to parts of America... I just think... I think some people say that it, racism is not really as much of a thing over here, and I just definitely think it is. No, it's not. It is a thing, but it's not as much of a thing as it is in America by a long, long I, I don't know. Distance. I think it's just a much more... I think it's subtler, and I think it's more clever, and I think it is through... It, I think it's institutionalised here, and I think it's just very different. So, you like, you look at something like Grenfell... Um, and people not being rehoused, and there's just and there's racism in government and stuff. It's not it's not even for me to say. It's black people have said it, and they've said it's in every aspect of life, and it's there. It's just subtle, and people don't realise it. And people say, if we have a Stephen Lawrence Memorial Day, then it doesn't exist so much, but it does. Now we've got an email. Ah. Uh, <laughs> Well, Glorious. yes, I was looking for the flood of emails that we might get asking us mm. to come back when we didn't. Uh, I've had a couple we, of tweets. Yeah, I think people do. People, I think people largely like it. Follow me um, at Ruth Kellner. <laughs> yes, well, Robert Black says, Dear Martin and Ruth, typical of me to have only found your podcast yesterday and then as part of a binge listen to discover that the last episode for now has already gone out. He says, I think this is true, but I'm a bit confused because there are episodes with a later damp date stamp after you announced that you've been canned did we say we'd been canned i I, I think you might have said that i didn't say i've never said the phrase being canned you must have said that sounds Mm. like you and no we have 
Yeah. This is volunteer work. As you're calling this work? He <laughs> says, I thoroughly enjoyed what I've heard and you ought to be congratulated on engaging, entertaining and informing us. Uh, I'm a big, big podcast listener, so can only imagine that I missed yours through less than optimally effective promotion. Oh, well, we'll try and promote it a bit more. Uh, I sincerely hope you find a way to return. Anyway, he says, thanks for doing the podcasts and let's hope you can revive them, stay safe. And that's from Robert Black, so bless him for that. Should we have a little bit of music? Let's have The Moon Song by Beba Doobie. How do you spell Beba Doobie? B-E-A-D-O-R. Is it all one word? Yeah. Like Doobie Doobie Doo? Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, just like Doobie Doobie Doo. <laughs> yeah, good. Beba Doobie. It's a town that shines Tell me all about it, or a little bit about um, it. So, Beba Doobie did a TikTok song. Ah, you were going to explain TikTok to me. Well, and so I thought, oh, I'll, do, I'll play a TikTok song. Ah, this is right. not a TikTok song, but she... Did do a TikTok do, song, yeah. yeah. No, I, I don't know. She, I mean, she didn't make the song specifically for it to be... No, but it became a TikTok, TikTok yeah. hit, did it? A TikTok hit, yes. Yes, I'm still talking in terms of hit records explain to me what a, a what a tiktok uh, hit is and, and basically what what the appeal of tiktok is i i know it's not for me so i've not it's bothered no, with no, it. it's not no well, well, tell you wouldn't me. like it you wouldn't understand that no precisely there's no point no point but you, i'd the, like the, to that ship has sailed that ship sailed probably 40 years ago tell me about tiktok i don't know what to say i don't well, know what to tell you it's, it's short it's short it's videos, videos isn't videos, it? and you just watch them for hours and then you feel terrible about yourself. Why do you watch them for hours? What, what is it that keeps it's you impossible. watching? Because you think that the next one is going to be the funniest. So it's, it's humour, it's entirely it humour, yeah. It's not entirely humour because some of them are like little tips videos and stuff. People will show you how to make a drink or whatever. Oh, right. Um, and, but a lot of it, them are funny. But then are they done by influencers or are they just done by so other people? So there are people who are like TikTok famous. So there's people like Charlie D'Amelio oh, yeah. or... Madison, Madison Beer, is she one? I think think she might be. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to... Addison Rae, she's got like 56 million... No, Charlie D'Amelio has like 56 million TikTok followers. Oh, so you follow people on yeah, TikTok? Yeah, you can follow people on TikTok. I don't really, because I'm not... No, you don't sound as though you're that into TikTok. I love it. Oh, do you? Yeah, I think I... I hate that I do, but I've watched so much of it. It's awful. Um, but I don't really follow people or anything. But so she... She'll do like dances, I believe. Mm. And they Yes, go, I've like, seen you doing it. a little TikTok dance. No, Dad, do I haven't done that. <laughs> she has. And oh, this is so amazing. I'm also too old for it. Are I you too old, old for TikTok? For TikTok yeah. Really? At 19? I'm like 15. Oh, really? Charlie Melia is like 15, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe what? younger. And it's also, it's like the girls on there are highly like sexualized, even though they're literally minors. Really? It's an incredibly problematic is platform. Is it? Oh, yeah. is problematic. Just because, like, the algorithms for it, like, will really promote you if you're thin and white. There's a lot of, like, body... Um, Images. Image issues yeah. where the, there are these girls, and they are, I mean, beautiful. Like, so many people on it are, like, unreal looking. And it is. it has the... Um, so do you I, you... I don't know whether you'll remember this, but do you remember when Tumblr was a really big thing? I remember Tumblr, I was just a little bit too young, I think, but um, there was a lot of anorexia um, posts on it, like pro, I think it was called like prorexia or something like that. Um, Really, truly awful and like a lot of girls like died, I think, from not, obviously not directly from Tumblr, but a lot of these like pro-anorexia things where you would encourage people not to eat and then you would share like very aesthetic images of starvation Mm. essentially and it hits that kind of same demographic but just a lot later and in a similar way i think Um, and like those like tumblr things have kind of ceased to exist for a while i think it's interesting so a little bit and it's also because it's that that 14 15 year old girl bracket is like that's the worst age to be a girl (laughs) like honestly like truly horrific time and I think, and it makes you impressionable. And it's when your self-esteem is the lowest. And I do worry about... TikTok. Yeah. 
just because it's not it's not healthy and it's because it's all pictures and it's very like in your face and stuff and people do it because they and i only know this from the the james graham short play that was on the telly mm. people do it because they want to go viral yeah. which is interesting in the middle of a, of a virus. virus that they want to go viral but that's encouraged me not to go anywhere near tiktok yeah you uh, don't need to. no i don't need tiktok i'm on twitter uh, yeah, you wouldn't like it because you don't even really like Instagram. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I don't yeah, do Instagram. I'm a big Instagram fan. Yeah, is that for the slightly older? You know, for your sort of age group. It's just Actually, all sorts of people on it, aren't they? Yeah. But again, it's just pictures. Again, isn't follow it? me at, at Ruth Kellner. <laughs> You're at Ruth Kellner on Instagram. Yeah, no, don't, you don't actually have to follow me on Instagram. I don't. Well, I probably already am following you. I suspect. I believe so. I don't think you, you don't like my photos. Don't I? Not well, I do often. like them. Sometimes, it... It, if it, sometimes if I'm with you, that I will go on your phone and like my photos. Ah, right. <laughs> really, that's interesting. Uh, my piece of music is Ella Fitzgerald, mainly because I watched this uh, documentary was it, about. Um, her. A thing I saw on Twitter about Ella Fitzgerald. Um, Marilyn Monroe used to oh, call they were up great the, friends. Yeah, they were great friends. Monroe. She used to call up the bars and say, "If you don't let Ella sing, because obviously it was still like if they said she couldn't sing because she was mm. black, she would ring up and say, i 'I'm going to be in the front row, and if you don't let Ella Fitzgerald sing,' and blah, blah, yeah, yeah. which someone said is a really excellent example of how to use your privilege to yeah. amplify someone else not to amplify yourself bless her well she was very i mean marilyn monroe was very much in favor of uh, you know what they used to call progressive politics in america you know against uh, segregation and all that but she suffered horrendously uh, ella fitzgerald mainly because she wasn't glamorous you know the whole image of mm. they used to sing with bands she was with a band called the chick web band i know you won't watch this uh, documentary but i will show you the footage uh, i'll try and find it the footage of when chick web died and you won't believe the crowd that was uh, was at his funeral. I mean, literally the whole of black New York was there. You know, it was all Harlem, which was basically an entirely black area at that point in time. And uh, Ella Fitzgerald grew up sort of homeless on the streets of uh, Harlem. And she went to a reform school. She had a, you know, she had a really, really hard uh, upbringing. But because she wasn't glamorous, she everything that she got, she got through her voice. It's always cool to to like Billie Holiday, and she's always held up as the as the great black jazz singer of that era. But you only have to watch the documentary to realise that it was uh, Ella Fitzgerald. And what song um, are we listening to? We're listening to a song called "All the Things You Are," which was written by Jerome Kern. Uh, she did in the early sixties. Um, she did a, a series of songbooks. But she did the George Gershwin songbook, the Cole Porter songbook, the Rogers and Hart songbook, the you know all the great, great American songbook the great songs. American songbook songs, and interpreted them better than any. Because up till that point, you know, they were mostly in musicals, black and white, sort of throwaway musicals, really. And uh, she took these songs and elevated them to jazz standards. And we have to pay tribute to Norman Grant, who was her. I mean, he fought against segregation all the time. He was the manager that I talked about before. And uh, it was his idea, all these songbooks. And this is a Jerome Kern song. You are the promised kiss of springtime That makes the lonely winter seem long You are the breathless hush of evening I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ruth, there's been a series of articles by a guy called Satnam Sangheri, who's a very, very good columnist in the uh, Times. And he's, he's living, for a variety of reasons I won't go into, he's living with his two nieces, who are about, he's locked down with two nieces. He, he's like a sort of guy in his 40s type of thing. And uh, well, he might be in his thirties. I don't know, but he's a, he did this this film, Blinded by the Light, about Bruce Springsteen. But he wrote the book, and then they made a film out of it. But he's uh, he's written about his lockdown experience with his two nieces, and a lot of these things I can identify with. Nieces about your age. Um, maybe slightly younger. They're teenagers, certainly. And he says, uh, there have been tensions, some of which have been intergenerational. Like many young people, uh, Jasveen and Simran, they're the two girls, have a maddening way of watching TV that doesn't seem to involve watching TV at all. You see, something will be on in the background while they scroll through their phones. Yes, that is my favourite thing. And occasionally they will acknowledge some dialogue or smirk at a joke. This is just so familiar. My efforts to make them concentrate on something for longer than five minutes to explain basic plot lines have gone down like a persistent cough. Here we go. This is the response of these teenage girls to him. I used to like The Simpsons until you made it really boring. Yeah, you, 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 you do that. You, you managed to make me not want to watch stuff because you want me to watch it so much and you talk about it so much and then it feels like a chore. Yeah, Hull's Headscarf oh, oh Heroes. Oh, my God, if I have to listen you to you must... tell... Well, watch it. Because, watch yeah, it. You will love it. You would love it. it. It is just genius. It's like um, when you get told to do your homework, but obviously you're not going to want to do it there. I compelled them to watch Groundhog Day, one of my favourite movies. I'm with you there, Satnam. And they loathed it, which made me want to force them to watch it every day until they conceded it was a masterpiece. This is just it's so like, familiar. When I really watched Groundhog Day. You love it. I love it. You love yeah, Groundhog Day. Yeah, I do love Groundhog Day. It's I, got flaws. I did rewatch it. Yeah, I did think this is not as good as I remember it. No. Which is a shame. It is a shame. Same with Wonder. Yeah, one day. That was nowhere near as good as yeah. I remember. The, f- the best the thing is the music. The, Who did the music? Rachel Portman. Rachel yeah, Portman. Brilliant, brilliant music. music. I listen to that when I'm studying. Mm. The, mm. the thing that one day is brilliant is because the first 20 minutes are excellent and the last half an hour is excellent. So then you forget all the middle part and then you go to watch it's it flabby. again. But now, and then you're crying so much at the end. And then so I'm like, oh, well, you remember it as being better because the last, the end is so good. Don't give it away. No, I'm not giving it away. But Anne Hathaway's Leeds accent is an absolute travesty. It's an abomination. She, she just, just goes in and out of it all the time. She did, She's like, oh yeah, I'll do that word. No, I won't bother with those. Yeah. It's like your Irish accent, really. Yeah, but I'm not casting a, a blockbuster <laughs> film. I just do my Irish accent in the kitchen. You do. And it sort of veers from uh, n- right at the far north of Ireland, right to the far south. Yeah, I'm Sometimes. staying in the right ballpark. You're, in the right, uh, you're on the right island. Yeah, exactly. Just about. Mm. Sometimes it goes a bit scotter. Anyway, the other thing he says, which, you know... Not quite true of you. He says, now, suggesting watching anything made before 2004 goes down like the suggestion they ride down to the shops on a penny farthing. So there's all sorts of stuff in here. So I have to commend Satnam Sangera to you. He says, 10 weeks into lockdown with my two Generation Z nieces, and we're still finding new things to argue about. Not, we don't argue that much. Not that much. Not least, although... We're more passive-aggressive. We like yeah, a good bit of... I've never quite understood what passive-aggressive is. It's just As like we would never have an actual shouting argument, but we would both... I think we have had one or two. Not so not much. Not that often. 
Not under lockdown. Are, are, are you not more passive aggressive with me than I am with you? Would you say? Probably. I don't. I don't enjoy an argument. I like to no, I don't just either. mumble stuff under my breath yeah, and then me too. wait for it all to boil over in like ten years. Yeah. When it all come out at once. Yeah. I like to push everything down. There was a very amusing. Oh, you watched the John Oliver show with me. Yeah. A very amusing joke where. But you can say it for. <laughs> yes. These people's purposes. For these people. Uh, now listen to these people. It was uh, on John Oliver's show, and he was talking about UFC coming back. Back, you know the uh, mm. ultimate fighting thingy uh, coming back and he says one of the rare chances you get to see grown adults exert violence in an enclosed space apart from Thanksgiving <laughs> or in our case Christmas obviously okay. anyway it be Christmas without one no that. it certainly wouldn't so he but, says yeah I have got two sisters so that's not mm. I think anyone who has mm. more than one sister would appreciate that there's oh, going to yeah. be a screaming match of course there's going to be a screaming match he says, anyway, uh, we're still finding new things to argue about, not least there's the question of whether it's acceptable not to flush the toilet after a wee. I think it's good for the environment. They think it's unhygienic <laughs> and disgusting. Yeah, I completely Or what agree. you would say is weird. You would no, call, we'll most call that weird. That I would call just... Disgusting. Disgusting, mm, yeah. Oh, there you go. Raisins in... It's just like... Right. I think the main thing of lockdown, why it annoys everyone, because you see everyone doing everything. So, like, you see them making breakfast and you see them doing their work and you see them relaxing. Like, you have to see everything. And people just have their own ways of doing things. And I find it really difficult. I <laughs> just want everyone to do it yeah, my way. Anything, well, we said that about uni. That You said yeah, that all yeah. the kids, all the people at uni everyone share your their kitchen. Own way of doing They're all things. weird. Whereas you're exactly normal. Yeah. What is it particularly irritating about seeing people doing stuff on uh, during lockdown? I just think you never have to... You just don't have to spend this much time with anyone usually. You go out to eat sometimes. so It's just the mundanity. So if I have, say, a bit of leftover chicken and put baked beans on oh, it... Oh, I can't even talk. It's, it's mainly a food thing. <laughs> I just don't like seeing anyone else eat ever. No, you don't, do you? I hate it. Yeah. I don't even like other people seeing me eat, really. Mm. Like, I find it uncomfortable. That's interesting. Well, anyway, he's not mentioned that, but what he says is raisins in food are proving equally conscien- uh, contentious. I like li- mm, I like them. He says, I like them. They abandon any meal that features them. But most contentious of all is the question of what counts as an acceptable amount of sleep. I draw the line at nine hours, but my student niece has been getting up to 11 hours a time and it drives me mad. We need it. Yeah, no. I think it's fine that you should be able to sleep as long as you want. Yeah, but you don't, you no, don't do don't that. You that sleep much. for very long at all. I mean, eight hours is sort of maximum for yeah. you, isn't it? I'm not, I don't massively sleep for ages. No. Like, sometimes I will stay in bed for like another two hours, but I'm not usually asleep. But also, like teenagers, we do need a lot of sleep. Precisely. So it's I says, think fair enough, sleep uh, Yeah, away. no, I, I'm with you there. I could sleep for 11 hours, I would. Mm. The science suggests young people need lots of sleep. But truly, I would be less bothered by the knowledge that someone was burning £20 notes in my spare bedroom. Don't sleep your precious life away. Is that what, you, what, we do, what else are you There's no precious do, yeah, life. No you're precious not precious life to Except you could read books. Yeah, I've got, so, I've got a pile Well, of I thought you would. I'm I mean, so, I, I, I've been bad as well when it comes no, to it's, reading it's, books. It's the lockdown thing. Mm. I, I just find it like... I think everyone's really found that... They're not as productive as they thought they were going to be. They've ah, not mastered I've been the new unproductive. Like, because and I think it's, all, it's it's also though like I don't I like I like going places to do stuff. Mm. Like I, I never used to work at home. I always used to no, go to, to library, the library, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. Um, even if I even when I was working, just like writing and stuff, mm. I always I just like to be somewhere else. Like when I was at uni, I didn't used to work in my room barely ever. Mm. I hate it. And then also, you like I. You're doing all your work so you can go to a gig or a party or a club. Deadlines. You need deadlines, don't you? You have to, yeah. yeah. If you want something See, doing, give it to a busy person. Absolutely, and they're dead right. And I, found, I thought, well, I'm going to be more productive because I'm doing the show from home. So that time I would spend commuting down to London. I've got here at home, like today, I would be thinking, mm. well, tomorrow morning I've got to get up to London, therefore whatever I have to do for my award-winning show on uh, talk radio, I have to do it uh, today. But with no deadline... I'm not doing anything. And I also, I've spoken to a lot of people because it's also the guilt, and then you feel so guilty about mm. not 
not writing a novel with all this new time you've got and stuff. Yeah. But I have spoken to a lot of people. like And a play, you can write plays because you can do that. Dad, I'm trying. <laughs> no, um, but <laughs> I've spoken to everyone and everyone agrees that it's just, it's so difficult to be productive under these conditions. Yeah, I agree with you. And then you th- you watch like 10 minutes of TV news and think to yourself, oh, what the hell, what's the what, point? Yeah, what's the point? What's the point? We're all going to die. I've become very in touch with my own mortality. Mm, yeah. I know. Well, we were discussing that this morning. Although some people get in touch with their own mortality, they become more religious, which I think you've done to an extent because you were saying this oh, morning. Oh, no, I've always thought this. So I was brought up Catholic. Catholic, yeah. And went to Catholic school mm. until I was 16. So yeah. all of high school, whatever. And there's just, there's a tiny part of me, and I don't believe in God, um, but there is a little part of me that does think if I do sinful things, obviously. Also, sin is such a ridiculous concept. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if I do sins, then someone will strike me down. Just There's just a little part of me that thinks... I think it would there's be There's probably a little part of everybody that maybe sort of... But it doesn't yeah. make it make much sense. I mean, what does make sense is that man invented God so that we could have a... I completely agree. Yeah, like, we I'm could have a series much, of rules. So we yeah. would, I take the, the, the humanist view, really, and I just think that... Even if there was no, if we didn't think there was a higher power that was going to strike us we down, doing, yeah. we, I don't think we'd go around killing We're not people. Just savages, yeah. Talking of savages, God. by the way, I've noticed a couple of Lord of the Flies hanging around, but not a lot of reading of it going on. Dad, why did you do this? <laughs> it's just a mild suggestion. Uh, oh, but then also, you, you get these. So this is another lockdown thing. There must be a word for the sudden wave of thinking. Oh my God, I've got to do stuff it's got it would have to be a word that fits onto corona so yeah. like cor- corona epiphany or something yeah like that. something um, like that everyone should follow Susie Dent because she's she's basically my favorite person I thought Richard Osmond was your no, favorite Susie person Dent is my favorite person Richard Osmond is my Richard Osmond is one of my friend's favorite people by the way he's Osmond not Osmond. Osmond oh yeah I always say Osmond sorry yeah he's not one of the Osmonds <laughs> who were a group in the seminar have you heard of the Osmonds yeah yeah. I think we've literally had this conversation before. Yeah, they're a Mormon family. So yeah. like Sissy, I may have mentioned it. But I love, yeah, I love Sissy. She's got a really good podcast um, called Something Rhymes With Purple. But follow her on Twitter because she does some excellent word facts. Um, she did one the other day, I've written it down. She tweeted, Lucifugal, which means peeking out from the duvet and then promptly diving back under. Is that, not a, is that a real word? That's a real word, yeah. Oh, is it? How yeah. do you spell it? L-U-C-I? L-U-C-I-F-U-G-A-L. Lucifugal. Yeah. She shares a lot of words. They're usually sort of like words that have mm. just disappeared. Gone out, out of fashion, usage. Yeah. Gone out of usage and stuff. That um, must be fairly modern though, because duvet is uh, probably only 40 years well, old. Well, it might be like blanket. Yeah. Lucifugal. It might be blankets because uh, the duvet is a fairly. We never had them when I was a kid. But she's. Uh... I never saw a banana till I was 14. <laughs> as you've raised language as an issue, let's talk about the French. Um, they're fighting a rearguard battle and uh, almost certainly a losing battle to stop English words being part of the French language. I don't think um, they are definitely well, losing it. Uh, they're, they're, they're incredibly stubborn people. Oh, they're incredibly stubborn I'll people. I'll tell you what, they know how to protest. And they know how to protest. Are, they, are the, they doing yeah, the Black Lives Matter? in France now. In Paris, obviously, in Paris, Le, Le Bonnier, in Le Bonnier. I think that it's in the centre of the city, to be honest. But, yeah, the people of the... On you definitely, they are. Oh, well, they like they a protest. Are, and they, they're, they're doing they're it well. Like That's why they you retire oh, they at for... sixty-two with full benefits in France. Well, the, this losing battle—they've already lost the battle on the weekend. The weekend is the no, weekend. And the Snickers—they've lost the battle on Snickers. They're now trying clickbait, fake news, spoiler. You know, the fake news, they're not, they're not in for that, but people are still using it. French equivalents have been stipulated by the Commission for the Enrichment of the French Language, uh, which reports to the Prime Minister, undaunted by decades of failures to hold back the tide of franglais. They're uh, now trying chiclet, le chiclet. They called it uh, romance urbaine. Romance urbaine is the French word to convey the snappy uh, concision of chiclet. They now, if you want to say le autotune, the autotune is ajustement automatique d'intonation, the Uh, word for podcast, le podcast. 
is what they actually call yeah. it. But what the French sort of uh, bureaucrats want you to call it is diffusion pour baladeur, which means broadcast for the walker. Nobody's using that, so they've tried another one. Audio à la demande, which is audio on demand, which just sort of... That's not quite podcast, is it? That's anything, really. You know, on demand doesn't just mean podcast. But anyway, good luck to the Académie Française. But these are all things you'll have to take on board. You're still doing your uh, Duolingo, aren't you, French? Yeah. I'm doing a bit of that as well. Very little bit. You do, but, you're not very good. I'm on it all the bloody time. Yeah. It's like a weird dip. Well, it's, do you know why? They use the same sort of algorithms as gambling sites use. You know, they reward and, you know, they give you a little ding-dong reward and a bit of a, you know, the more gem, you they give you gems them, yeah. and things, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, gems. you've got to get gems and despite the fact there's no money involved I mean gambling's obviously more toxic because there's money involved I would, I, would, I mean as much as they <laughs> use the same algorithms I don't think anyone's saying that oh god make them stop learning language like, I just go on it a lot because it's just easy mm. like I just go on it that's what I do while I'm watching TV yes why don't you just concentrate on and when you consider how much I got out of Hull's Head Scarf oh. Heroes and the the Muhammad Ali documentary, and the like, Alfred Stroll like, documentary, because I, like I sit and concentrate on them, and then put Game of Thrones on in the background. Yeah, that's what but I like to do. and that's an insult to George R R Martin. The fact that he didn't you, write the series. Uh, no, he did write <laughs> he, Game he of Thrones. Write, he yeah. didn't write the TV series. No, but he wrote the books. I mean, he yeah. he was a, a credible, proper writer. And then obviously, TV turned it into soft porn. And no, oh yes, right. We can't get into this again. Also, no one cares about Game of Thrones anymore. No, they don't. So why are you watching it all the time? Because I like to have it. Because I've already seen it, so I can have it on in the background. But have nothing on in the background. Because you that say you telling me not to watch it. It makes me want to watch it more. I don't tell you not to watch it. I see you for just... Yeah, but your I, disdain makes me want to watch it. I thought you didn't care less about my disdain. Well, some part of me does. Yeah. The God-fearing bit. Here's something that would uh, appeal to you. This is, um, you know, because you're always on about white privilege and things. Here's a, here's a great example. <laughs> say it like I'm just, like, nattering off. This is a great example of it. With education now going online, Britain's ancient public schools are keen to ensure there's no slippage in standards. Last week, the head of St Paul's Juniors in London introduced the online summer term by asking boys to stand to attention at their laptops while a rousing rendition of Jerusalem was played. And I've never seen you standing to attention at your laptop. But, I mean, how is it... Are you doing... And I've not noticed you doing much online learning unless you... There's no do, classes anymore. I do, I do work. Yeah. Like, what, I'll, what, I'll what, read articles and do some French practice and Spanish practice and stuff. But there are no... There are no... Hmm. There's nothing. Are you sort of losing the will, you know, to as live, far as... You, yeah. As far, well, I know that, but as far as your university life goes, you're losing the will to live, sort of thing. What do you mean? Well, what I mean is, do you sort of feel detached from university now? I mean, A, that like you obviously bit, not yeah, obviously But it would that. be, you'd be probably heading for the sort of holiday period anyway, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, now I would be, yeah. yeah. But it's just different, isn't it? Mm. Well, it is different. I'm just wondering if you yeah. managed to keep motivated about your degree not, and everything. Not hugely. I don't feel massively motivated about anything no. currently. No. feels like it's a bit in vain at the mm. moment. Do you know what I mean? I think, like my generation, we've grown up in quite tumultuous times in mm. general. Stuff like, like the rise of artificial intelligence that's happened, mm. the rise of social media... Um, the 2008 recession, the... Um, well... T- like, I have a sort of theory. Oh, good. We were born... We came into the world when 9-11 happened, um, and 9-11 changed the world. That I was think. 2001? Yeah, 2001. So um, I was a baby. You were but you were a baby. Mo- like, a lot of people... I remember. I remember you being a baby, school. you were very upset. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what, you what said, your parents... Dad, can we watch those towers coming down again? No, what your parents believe and the yeah. tone of the world, I think, changed. Definitely. I think a lot of people have said that as well. It's not yeah. just me. And then stuff like 2008 recession. Well, you see... Sort of Brexit, like quite uneasy sort of governments in a lot of ways and stuff. Mm. And I think that all those things, 
kind of in some way sink into your psyche like i don't remember the 2008 recession massively no i wouldn't count that as tumultuous uh i mean but no but it's a general like it there's i think there's we've grown i think we've spoken about it before but the general atmosphere throughout my life in this country is worry not just an just an under underground hum of worry and then you have this pandemic and you background, kind of a think, background a home. background home yeah not underground yeah no. background <laughs> <laughs> oh dad a background home of like just mm. just there can i just say as someone who's lived a lot longer that's all we're always living through tumultuous times if you think of growing up in the six no if you think growing up in the 60s uh khrushchev and kennedy were you know at the united nations khrushchev took his shoe off and banged it on the desk and that was over cuba um, and we all thought the world was going to end you know for for between sort of so like my older siblings when they so so like anyone born sort of like 80 between 80 and 2000 yeah that millennial millennials i don't think they've had the same kind of background hum of panic as we have and then you think pandemic really well it's only it's the pandemic isn't it it's the pandemic i don't think i mean all the other things that you've mentioned before like with with stuff like brexit well, you see, I can remember in the 70s, the argument was whether we would get... Because, you know, the European Union, mm. it was called the, uh, the European Iron and Coal Community, then it was the EC, and it's been various things. But that was set up by the by continental Europe. We weren't in it till the 70s. Yeah, no, 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 so no. what I'm saying is, no, all the argument through the 70s was, should we, uh, should we, join, the, uh, should we join Europe or not? And yeah, interestingly, that's the, still, is, the, that's still the left, like 70s. That's like boomer times yes if you think about any of the millennials who were born and the millennials yeah. have got the problem you know the uh, the whole job market disappeared don't forget millennials went through the the minor strike and mrs thatcher and all that no which millennials would be didn't. well whatever the general the people in the 40s now would have done generation x and but the millennials would I'm have had the effect of the whole industrial yeah. you know i'm not talking about middle class i'm talking about everybody oh, no, I know, I know, would I know, have I had the effect of the whole industrial base having been eroded because that happened in the 70s but would have affected them through the 80s and the 90s mm. do you know what i mean these traditional working class jobs yeah are, are disappeared. no i know like loads of jobs have like disappeared in there's like yeah. in whole industries where everyone did the same job are gone and like it's but with the whole if we're not talking about that but like with the whole pandemic thing especially because i'm studying languages and at the moment no one can go anywhere mm. you do sometimes think what what, what what am i doing you know yeah well let's hope we come out of and this I pandemic i think there's just becomes... a feeling of like hopelessness where it's like i can't create a vaccine i can't stop police brutality well, you can't because you're watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> but, and so I just, I want to help people, but it's just like, how do you do it? I know, I know. But, you know, do you know that's always the way? When Live Aid, which we were talking about, so we're going full circle and talking about Live Aid oh, now. Oh, look at that, it's as if we planned it. It's almost as if it's been produced. We're going to talk to Live Aid. We'd all seen those pictures yeah. of the famine in Ethiopia, which was, you know, it was horrible to watch and it was a brilliant, brilliant report. And we all thought, we all felt that same sense of helplessness. You know, mm. we couldn't create, we couldn't create a vaccine, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and therefore, you know, people did respond with by giving money to Live Aid or whatever. But that was, again, that doesn't stop the feeling of hopelessness. You know, if you bung like 10 quid to children in need, you still feel when you watch what's going yeah. on in the world, we always feel hopeless. There's always terrible things. And the tsunami like, and all those things, yeah. you know. And obviously it's like it's really important to recognise that this feeling of like general unmotivation and I do feel quite like lost yeah, in terms I, of is obviously a incredibly privileged feeling to have yeah. come because at also, least you have yeah, got Game of and, Thrones you can watch yeah. it. But also this feeling that I, I'm allowed to have because I have all my basic needs met all the time and more than that and I live in a safe happy place where I'm and I get to worry about what I'm going to do with my languages degree and I get to worry about the existence of God and what I'm going to do with the rest of my life because I know that I'm not going to starve like or be murdered by police officers like 
I get to and I understand that that's inc- like I'm so lucky to have the room to worry about those things but it doesn't it still is tough feeling yeah no I absolutely you know what is. I mean like I don't I don't I want think the to word I don't want to come is, across as I think there is a word and I don't know that I've got this word right Suta Dent would know I think the word is anomie a-n-o-m-i-e which is no, I, I will put it out there. I know me. I'll be Google it later, but I think that is the word for sort of this feeling of why am I? Why am I so? Yeah, I've got everything, you know. Yeah. I've got Amazon Prime, Netflix, and Sky TV. Why am I so feeling so sort of downhearted about yeah. everything? And it's also like, I just this lockdown gives you so much time to just ponder about what you're going to do. Yeah. And I just think, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? What am I going to do for the next 60 years? You'll be fine. I think we'll come out of this <laughs> pandemic and I think, you know, yeah, a new course. world will be created. And as I said before, it'll be it'll be different. It'll be different. But when you see so many young people sort of demonstrating for Black Lives Matter and all that, you think, well, you know, maybe it'll be better. Maybe it'll be better. I, hope um, so. I think you've got to remind yourself that actually, like, as much as humans probably don't have any control over the things that happen, and I think that this pandemic has taught you that above all else is that hmm. well, it, the world is chaotic. These are all cyclical. And as I say, this is, you know, we lived in tumultuous, we've always lived in tumultuous times, and we saw Russia as the great threat for years and years and years. Then we saw terrorists, Muslim terrorists mainly, mainly as the great threat. I think. China, if you look at what's happening with Hong Kong and everything, mm. China is going to be the next. That's going to be the next great threat, I think. Yeah. I um, mean, there are like there's already like mass genocide in in China against. Yeah, Muslims. and they're going to. You know, I think we. You know, the same way that my generation feared the Russians, the millennial generation feared terrorism. I think what's going to be the next big fear is going to be uh, is going to be China. So we're always in tumultuous times, but I think you'll be okay. It's, would you? Should we lighten it up with the random story, or oh. should I tell it, or do you want to tell maybe, it? Maybe, maybe that's we'll, we'll do one next week, and that's the hook. What the random next, story? Tune in next week for an entertaining story about randoms. Good. So we're doing another podcast next week. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> excellent. Uh, so thank you very much indeed for your. Uh, yes. If you do want to email us, by the way, oh, I did get a few more. Andy May sent one, and David Ailes sent one. So thank you to those and anybody who sent an email. But we're back. We're back now for the time being for at uh, least one more week at least so we can tell the random story next week we'll definitely be back thank you very much if you do want to email us it's martin and ruth podcast at gmail.com yeah that's right it's said with <laughs> well i'd almost forgot yeah martin and ruth podcast at gmail.com yeah and we'll hopefully be back next week we'll be back next week lovely well done oh gosh my back really hurts now oh, how i think Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.